turn to Luke, Luke chapter 1, the passage that we read for uh, morning Bible reading. Trust that the, the hymns have blessed your heart already and helped prepare us to look into the Word of God. And so, we've already read the passage, so um, have your Bible open. We're going to go ahead and pray and ask for the Lord's blessing on our time in the Word, and then we'll just jump right in, all right? Um, Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the Word of God and, and for this reminder, uh, Lord God, of how thy promises always come true. Um, thy prophecies are always fulfilled, and we look forward to many that are still yet to be fulfilled. And we just want to thank thee also as uh, this passage this morning we look at will uh, um, just focus and emphasize thy mercy and thy grace. And we're so thankful for those. And please, God, help us. And, and when I say teach us to depend on thy grace, I understand that that means trials. And, and with Lord God, help us to appreciate uh, so much more the mercy and the grace of God. Lead us, help us, by the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been talking about, ever since we began this study of Luke, about two great prophecies in chapter 1. Today we're going to see the first of those being fulfilled, the birth of John the Baptist, or the birth of John. Later on, he would be known as John the Baptist. And so, um, there's, a, there's so much we can learn from his life. And we're going to look see a, little, a few things about him today. I'm really looking forward to, the next, as the, the rest of the book of Luke unfolds, especially, of course, the birth of Christ and his life, but also the earthly life and ministry of John the Baptist. There's a lot of lessons that we could learn from him. And remember, as even before we get there, that Jesus called him basically the greatest prophet ever. So there's never been a greater prophet than John. So that puts him right at the top. And so even though he's prop there's less said about him than any other prophet uh, in the scriptures. And yet his life, short life, but one that was filled with service for the Lord. All right, let's take number. Um, we have here the birth of John. Um, birth of John, verses 57 through 66, and so let's go there to verse 57. One thing that um, they say, and one thing uh, when an older lady, when, you know, and by the way, we talk about an older woman being pregnant. I'm talking about somebody who's like 38 or 40. You know, they think that's a risky time, and uh, they're always concerned. And, I, and so it's so precious to me the details that the Bible gives. I want you to notice it starts right off in verse 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered. So by the mercy and grace of God, not only was she able to conceive by her husband, she was able to do something that, that older women very seldom were able to do. That is, carry the birth, carry the child all the way to full term. Again, that's just another re reminder, another token of God's wonderful mercy and grace. He took her right through. And then, of course, he's born. She brought forth a son there in verse 57. In verse 58, and her neighbors and her cousins, that is her relatives, heard how the Lord had, had showed great mercy unto her, and they rejoiced with her. Right, so again, the, the report, they heard, and not only, not only mercy, but great mercy, the Lord had showed upon her. 
and they rejoiced with her. Notice in Luke 1, go back to be for a reminder um, to verse 13, when the angel Gabriel um, first appeared to Zacharias. Verse 13, but the angel said to him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Many. So you see the prophecy that, ga- that God gave through Gabriel to Zacharias w- was fulfilled to in the, the very minutest detail. Even the rejoicing that would accompany his birth. The last part again, verse 58. They rejoiced with her. Um, you know, the Bible says that we are to rejoice with those that do rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know, we're to share in the lives of one another. And here they, they were so thrilled and they were rejoicing in God. And there's more to come in our chapter. But let's go on. In verse 59 it says, And, they, and it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. Okay, the eighth day, Jewish law, eighth day, baby boys circumcised. And they, by the way, sideline here, doctors have determined that the eighth day is the best time, by the way. Now they do it here just about like the first day or second day, but they've actually calculated the eighth day is the, is the, is the best time to do that thing, whatever. They, they've, they've decided that. Of course, God knew that all along. And they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. So they did something that was very customary. And if you read through lists of names in the Old Testament and, and some in the New Testament, you'll find it was common to name a son, especially a first son oftentimes was named after the father. And so they just figured, we're going to call him Zacharias. And in many reasons, one would be simply, that would be a constant reminder of God's great mercy. All right, but... We find in verse 60, his mother answered and said, not so. In other words, no, no, that's not right. He shall, but he shall be called John. All right, now that's, we read that back in chapter 1 just a minute ago. They shall call his name John. And, they, and so, by the way, the name John means gift of God or the Lord is gracious. All right, and of course, that's why God said, why the angel said, name him John. Again, a constant reminder of God's grace, God's mercy, God's gift to uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, but not only so, but God's gift to Israel. Um, he would have, and he would have a great impact all right, on, on the people of God for a short time. All right, so Elizabeth said, No, his, he shall be called John. Verse 61, And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. Nobody. Nobody in the family. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. Isn't that, that's interesting. Um, he was blind. No, I mean he wasn't blind. He was deaf. I knew I messed something up here thinking about all these things. Um, but the Bible doesn't say he was deaf. Couldn't talk, but it doesn't say he couldn't hear. But So some have indicated, this might be a, an indication that he was also struck deaf. Because if, if he was able to hear, they wouldn't have made signs. They didn't say, hey, what do you want him called? But they made signs to him, gestures. You know, what, what do you, you know? <laughs> anyway, and so um, he asked for a writing table. 
verse 63, and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. See, Elizabeth knew because Zacharias told her. This is what the angel said. This is what he said. You're gonna, we're going to have a son. You're going to have a baby boy. And we're supposed to call him John. Right? And so they did. Again, there was no question. There was no hesitancy about that. And they named, they called him John. And he wrote, his name is John. And they marveled all. And the Bible says, verse 64, and his mouth was opened immediately. As soon as he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his, his, his mouth was open, his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. All right, so the first words out of his mouth were praise to the Lord. Well, let's take a look at some reactions, <coughs> some immediate reactions to what's going on here, to the birth of John, to his mother saying, not Zacharias, his name is John, his father writing and his mouth being opened immediately, praise God. May I submit to you that this whole thing, and even this praise to God, was something that hadn't been happening in the land of Israel. This was 400 years of darkness. Um, you know, the, the, the polite way or the, uh, to say it is the impure testament times. From the end of Malachi till, you know, these things began to happen, there was basically 400 years of silence from the Lord. No new prophecies, no visions. And so a dark time, in fact, it's going to talk about that later on in the chapter. And so um, at this point in time, God's people were not really in the habit of praising the Lord. And, you know, that can happen. That can happen to us. As things go by and as life, you know, weighs down and we see, you know, just things going on and on and on, we need to always remember, and um, maybe, I, th I think, that it'd be a good thing. The first thing out of Zacharias' mouth was praise to God. Maybe the first thing we wake up in the morning, might be hard for some of us, but the first thing in the morning might be, how about we begin our day with praise to the Lord? And I've come to the point that God has worked in my life over the years, and I'm serious. The first thing I think of when I wake up in the morning is, oh yes, it's time for the Word of God. It's time to be with, to, to go to Him and commune with Him. And I hope that that's on your mind as well. And so, um, so there's three reactions that are given um, in verse 64. There's praise, right? Praise from Zechariah. Praise for what God had done. Verse 65, there was fear, godly fear, good fear, reverence. And fear came on all that dwelt round about them. Now, how did that happen? Well, all, it says, and all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. Now, there's so many similarities between this part of Luke 1 and Luke 2 when the news began to be spread about the birth of Jesus Christ. Same type of reaction. And so in both cases, the word is spread. And I, I believe God wanted that word spread. He wanted his people to know that the, 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 a prophet had come. And so they would be prepared, and they were prepared as we get back, as we, we move further into the book of Luke, as, as John began preaching, more crowds came. And when Jesus started preaching, crowds came. 
And that was the way God intended it, because he wants his word to be heard. And so fear, that reverence. And then we find in verse 66, anticipation. The Bible says, and all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts. In other words, they stored the, the words of things that were being said, and they meditated upon them. Again, so similar, because the Bible says Mary pondered these things and kept them in her heart. When she heard what was being said about Jesus Christ and the things that were being done, she did the same thing. Well, the people did the same thing here. They're, they're thinking, they're, they're, they're meditating upon it. And here's what they said. Look at verse 66. And all that heard them, all they that heard them, laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? I want you to notice. Do you notice how that statement ends? What manner of child shall this be? What's after the word be? Is it a question mark? No, exclamation point. In other words, it's an exclamation. It's like, whoa, wow. What, this is going to be some kind of child. That's the idea of what they said. And, most important, the hand of the Lord was with him. Now, when the Bible says that, it always means more than just the fact God's with us. God's always with us. If, if we're saved, God never leaves us. We've got the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts. And Jesus said, when he told the disciples that they're going to get the Holy Spirit, he said, he dwelleth with you all around and shall be in you. Right? And so, in that sense, God never leaves us. He's always with us. But when it says the hand of the Lord was with him or with anybody, it means that God was there in a special way, guiding each step, empowering him, leading him. Um, you know, he does that with us too, to a certain degree. But there's times when God's hand works specially in somebody's life. And you have somebody set aside. You know, the hand of God, the hand of God, when it's used in this way, is always talking about directing, guiding, ordering. And, and I'm, when, I, when I say that, I mean in ordering circumstances, opening doors, closing doors, just doing whatever needs to be done to bring his servant to the point, the place where God has him to be. So it started out very early. And of course, in the Gospels, in the book of Luke, um, one of the things we need to realize is that, yes, the narrative is going along step by step, but then there are some general statements that kind of speak of development. And when it says the hand of the Lord was with him, it's talking about as he grew, as he developed. All right. And then we find this. We want to look at uh, the second main thing, Zacharias's proclamation. This is really the, 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 the last, we only have two points in the message this morning. And so we have Zacharias, his message, and what a prophecy. And of course it starts off this way in verse 67, and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost. In other words, it means he came under a special enabling, empowering influence of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God. So therefore, we can, without a doubt, everything he said was an inspired message. Every word from chapter from 68 down through 79 was exactly the word of God, the word of the Holy Spirit. Um, and here's an example of inspiration. 
God breathed his message into uh, Zacharias. And so, again, it's, it might seem like a, 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 a minor point, but the scriptures, the, the scriptural view of inspiration is not that the speaker is inspired, the message is inspired, right? It wasn't the writers who were inspired, it is the writings that are inspired. Right? Because there are, there are certain religions that teach that when they're inspired, people speak, everything they say is the word of God. And that can't be true because inspiration ended when the Bible was finished. Okay? Now we have illumination, we have guidance from the Holy Spirit, but we do not have inspiration taking place today. That's done. Right, that's done. Now, so, but here, but here he is. He's filled with the Holy Ghost, and notice it says next he prophesied. So I did the research, and I remember this from even way back in Bible college, because there are just certain words in the Scripture that we really need to understand, and there are certain words that are can, that people are confusing and twisting even today. Um, but the word prophesy is an interesting word. It simply it mean, it comes from a word, the Old Testament. Hebrew as well as the New Testament Greek, the, the word that means to prophesy, but what does it mean to prophesy? It means to speak an inspired message, okay? Sometimes encouraging obedience to God, sometimes proclaiming the future as a warning to preparedness and continued obedience, and often in light of the future, as an encouragement to rest in God and to wait for the fulfillment of his promises. Right? And so that's all, that's all bound up in the definition of the word translated prophesied. So basically we say, Zacharias preached, he received and he preached an inspired message from the Lord. Now, a prophet's ministry can either be forthtelling, in other words, a message, a, new re a message for that day, a message of exhortation, encouragement, or judgment upon the people of God. For example, the, some of the greatest examples would be the, the books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. I mean, they all preached to that day. They all said, look, this is what you need to do. And then they also had messages of the future, and especially concerning the future coming of Christ and redemption and the kingdom and all those things. And so that's all wrapped up in that word prophecy. Right? And of course, that's done too. And 1 Corinthians 13 talks about the time when tongues will cease and prophecy shall end and all those kinds of things. When did that happen? When the word of God was complete because we don't need those things anymore. God doesn't do anything if it's no longer needed. Now one of the things I've heard it said too, and I like this, it says that prophecy, now talking about prophecies of the future, have been defined as history written in advance history written in advance. And so you know what they do? Sometimes it's written in the past tense, just like it is here. We're going to see some of these things. And some of the things Je uh, Zacharias said are in the past tense, as if they've already happened. And there's a reason for that, because in God's view, it has already happened. It's just as certain as if it already happened, like Jesus Christ, the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. Now, he wasn't literally crucified way back then, but it was, a, it was as certain as if it had already happened. Let's go through some of the things that he said. 
blessed to be the Lord. Again, that's one of the reasons that I wanted us to begin our service this morning with, with praises, but also with the hymn, uh, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. So Zechariah says, Blessed be the Lord God, exalted, praised, glorified. Be the Lord God of Israel. Now here's one of those statements. For he has visited and redeemed his people. Jesus isn't even born yet. But he's already saying he's visited and redeemed his people. It's as good as if it's already done. And, verse 69, hath raised up an horn of salvation for us. A horn is like, means to something that, is, that stands tall and strong. Salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. And so that's, again, referring to Christ's lineage. Right? John the Baptist was not from the lineage of David. He was from the priestly line. So this isn't talking about John. This is talking about Christ. Right? So he speaks first of all, not concerning John, but concerning Christ. And we're going to see that he will speak of John later. But this is all about Jesus Christ. And saying, so again, another indication, and when John came on the scene, he would say the same thing. I'm not the important one. He is the important one. And so even Zacharias, as he's led, and see the Holy Spirit moved upon Zacharias, filled him so that he would have the proper perspective and priority. It's Christ that this is all about. It's Jesus who will redeem us. He is from the house of David, right? Let's go on to let's see what else it says. Verse 70, as he spake, by the way, he refers to David as his servant, God's servant. That's the best thing we can be known by, by the way. As he spake, that is God, by the mouth of his holy prophets, plural, which have been since the world began. Right? Now, the first book of the Bible, the first five books of the Bible, written by Moses, book of Genesis, contains prophecies of Christ. Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman. Genesis 49.10, the, the, the star and the scepter. And so on and so on. Many other, all, all throughout. All the prophets spoke of him. Isaiah uh, wrote more about Christ than any of the old, other Old Testament prophets. The book of Isaiah is just filled with references to the first coming of Christ and his, you know, his birth and his death and his sacrifice and his resurrection and his second coming you know, to be king. I mean, it's all, the scriptures are full of references to the Lord Jesus Christ. So as the prophet, as he spoke, by the, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. So that's the regarding salvation, right? The message of salvation. Then we have, starting in verse 71 to 75, there is a message about Israel's restoration. Right? But notice what comes first. Salvation. Now let's read this. Verse 71, And that we, of course Zacharias was a, was a Jewish man, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. Alright? And they, they were hated in that day. We know that from what the scripture says. And they've been hated all throughout history. We went on a hike yesterday and one of the guys on the hike was telling me he did, that he 
did some research, I'm not sure why, but he was looking into the history of Hitler's. <laughs> and there was, there, the Hitler has a couple of living relatives living in New York, but they don't publicize that, publicize that. And these two men, as far as we know, they're the only living relatives. And the reason is that some of the family of Hitler, the men, made a pact among themselves to remain single and never have children because they wanted to have the name of Hitler die out. They wanted no more Hitlers, all right? And so they got rid of, so they said, we're not going to have children, we're not going to do any of those kinds of things. Um, and of course, why did I say that? Because of all the people of history, Hitler is one of the most famous for his hatred of Israel. And really his whole thing, his whole, you know, the whole uh, supremacist thing and, and the, the, the superior race and all that, he wanted to get rid of Israel and anybody, anybody else along that way. And so he, he was motivated with satanic hatred for the people of Israel. So <clears throat> whether a person is supporting Israel or against Israel, everyone would admit that they have been the most hated people in the history of Mankind, And so uh, Zechariah said, and the, the Holy Spirit said, you know, this, this one that's coming, uh, this one that's coming, one day um, he, will, uh, he will save us from the hand of all them that hate us. It's going to happen. To perform, look at verse 72, to perform the, min the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father, Abraham, way back there, again, the book of Genesis, the Abrahamic covenant, God's promise of land, a seed, and a blessing. And the, that one of the things that's going to happen, and, and one of the purposes for the millennial kingdom is to fully fulfill to Israel all those promises, the things that they never have seen, even to this day, they have never enjoyed the fullness of of the Abrahamic covenant. And so it's very fitting. Again, remember, this is not, Zacharias is not making this stuff up, although he was aware of it. But he's speaking as he is, as he is led, as he is filled, as he is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. That, verse 74, that he would grant unto us, and there's a, that's a word that refers to mercy and grace, that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Well, they, can't, they haven't done that in a long time. They will someday. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Now, I want you to notice something. During the earthly ministry of, the, of Jesus Christ, most of the Jews, in fact the vast majority, even his disciples, they wanted the restoration without the salvation. It took his disciples a long time to get the whole, the plan of God. And even after Jesus rose from the dead, and they, they're still saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time, what's the next word? Restore? <laughs> Again, the king of Israel, that, that's still in their mind. And, and certainly there's nothing, it should be on their minds, but they didn't have the order. They just didn't have it right. And so I find it very interesting that, you know, they wanted the restoration without the salvation. And you realize that that was a huge offense to the religious leaders. 
because they, 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 did, they didn't want some Messiah that would come and die and suffer. No, they wanted the Messiah to come and overthrow Rome and go take, take control of the world and, and restore them. But sadly, they didn't understand. They weren't ready for that kingdom because they're hell, they were hell-bound sinners. They needed to be saved. They didn't get it. And so they, they wanted the, the restoration uh, without the salvation. They wanted the, cro- the kingdom, the crown, without the cross. But you know something else? They also didn't, they didn't care a bit about the holiness and righteousness that Zacharias speaks about here. That we might serve him without fear. The end of verse 74, yes, we want that. But well, in holiness and righteousness before him? They didn't want that either. They wanted to con- do their own thing, live their own life, and pervert, continue to pervert the laws of God, and so on. So they didn't get that part. And so in that line, this prophecy of Zacharias is right along the lines of many Old Testament prophecies. For example, in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, several times Isaiah writes about the first coming of Christ and the second coming in the same passage without seeming to differentiate between the two. And I remember one of our teachers in Bible college way back used to say that the prophets saw the peaks, but they didn't see the valleys in between. That's a good way to put it. They didn't understand that between the birth of Jesus Christ, his first coming, and his second coming, there, there's been already almost 2,000 years, and he still hasn't come back. And so they didn't, they didn't see that, even though Isaiah wrote about it. But, you know, it's interesting that um, in the New Testament, it talks about the fact, in, in Peter especially, that even the prophets didn't really understand some of what they wrote. They, they didn't see the whole picture. But here's a good example of the, of the fact that, that God visiting Israel was first and foremost for their salvation. Right? And so Jesus came... And, and John, let's put him, John came preaching repentance, the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. And they didn't want to hear it. Most people didn't want to hear it. All the days of our life, verse 75. Now then he speaks, notice in verse um, 76, he speaks concerning his son, John. John. And thou child, so he's speaking, letting the people know that he's referring to John talking to him. We talked to our children before. The, we, told, we, talked, we read the Bible to our kids and talked to them about the Lord before they, they even could say Dada. I mean, we gave it to them and just tried to instill that. And, and that's a good thing to do. Um, and, and so John, or Zacharias here is speaking to He says, Thou child, talk, I'm talking to you, boy. No, he says, Shall be called the prophet of the highest. That's, a, that's just a term for God, that he's above everything, right? He's the sovereign of the universe. Now notice what he says. And again, this is the Holy Spirit speaking through Zacharias to the people that were around. Remember the family, friends are still there. They're rejoicing and so on. And it says this, For thou shalt go. Notice, notice this, the middle of verse 76, For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. And so that was, that was John's greatest privilege and ministry to prepare the way for Christ. Right? Um, 
And he will do that, and we're going to see that, hopefully. And one, he would one day say to the people, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And then later he would say, He must increase, I must decrease. We have the Pharisees, and they tried to stir up jealousy on John's part. Look at, oh, John, everybody's going to him. I don't know what they expected John to say, but he said, you know, amen, amen. That's the way it's supposed to be. I'm the voice. I prepare the way of the Lord. I must, he must increase. I must decrease. Um, the, the bridegroom, the, the bridegroom hath the bride, or the bride hath the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom rejoices, right, because of the bridegroom. And he says, thus my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Don't, 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 you know, don't. Don't try to cause trouble with me. Don't try to make a division. You know, don't pity me. <laughs> I'm, I've done what I'm supposed to do, and God's doing what he's supposed to do, and the attention is going to him, and that's how it's supposed to be. And so it is with us. The attention, the glory, whatever, the credit is not to go to us. It's to go to him. It's to go to Christ, to prepare his ways. Now, here we go. In verse 77, here's a reminder case they didn't get it the first time verse 77 to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins that is the forgiveness the, 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 the doing away of their sin so that's repeated he mentions it in the beginning of his message about salvation and then he mentions it at, at the end of his message because it was so important. And again, we could say they wanted the restoration, but they needed the remission. They needed that. In the Bible, in fact, I think I might have skipped over um, in verse 68, the word redeemed. I don't think I emphasized that enough. I meant to, so let me find it here. Redeem means to, to, to redeem means to ransom or purchase by an act of redemption. All right, so the word redeemed here is, 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 the, is about the act of redeeming, act of redemption. Again, Matthew 1.21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. How would he do that? He would redeem them by his precious blood on the cross and pay the ransom for their sins so they could be forgiven. And, of course, he paid, the price, he paid it to God. Right? He offered himself without spot to God by his own blood to, to uh, redeem to, for the remission of sin. All right? Again, these people, they would have at least known, and most of them probably still may have gone to the temple. They may have offered sacrifice. And so they knew all about the shedding of blood. They knew all about the atonement. They knew all about the covering. But here, Zacharias is talking about something beyond that. Not, the, not just cover your sins, remit your sins, forget, forgive your sins, wash them away, blot them out, get rid of them, you know, that sort of thing. All right, let's go um, to the verse 78. Through the, the, the tender mercy of God, our God. Tender mercy. That's the, that's the idea of, of loving kindness. Tender mercy. Loyal love. Unfailing love is in that word mercy. Tender mercy of our God. The Old Testament and the Psalms especially speaks about God's tender mercies. His loving kindness. And here it is. Whereby, or by means of which, the day spring from on high hath visited us. You know, it's interesting that the word translated day spring here simply means the east or the rising of the sun. And that in this in this part of the world we look at the north, north star and all that for bearings, but in that part of the world it's the east. 
east. And so God wants to realize that, that you know, that's where, you know, it's God who does all these things. And when the wise men came, they came from the east and so on. And the Old Testament talks about praising the Lord from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. And so here, the day spring, but there's kind of a play on words there. It's not really, it's not talking about the S-U-N, but it's talking about the S-O-N, who would come in the light of, as the light of the world. So again, it's referring to the work of God, sending light, sending his son, the light of the world. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And I want to read for you Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. Um, if you want to turn there, um, and then we just have, um, really this is the last, um, the last scripture that we're going to look at this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 4, and then we're just about done. Second Corinthians chapter 4, it says this, starting verse 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. All right. So the light comes forth from God, the light of the gospel. Satan tries to blind, but the, and the only, the only weapon against that is keep giving the gospel, give the gospel, give the word, give the word, give the word, and trust it to pierce through the darkness. For we preach not ourselves, verse 5, but Jesus Christ the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. In other words, Genesis 1, let there be light. He has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So that's where the light comes from. And then it says, back in Luke chapter 1, just a couple more statements. It says this in verse 79, to give light to them that sit in darkness. One of the first verses that talks about Jesus' earthly ministry, the people that walked in darkness have seen great light. And those that sat in the region of shadow of death, the light has, has light sprung up. So the light, um, shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Romans 3, the sad commentary on humanity is the way of peace they have not known. And we don't, we don't know the way of peace naturally. We need to be guided into it. And then verse 80, and the child grew. He grew up. In other words, that, that he grew, yeah, he grew. he grew. He grew physically and developed. That's what that word grew there is all about. Talking about his physical development. Um, similar words are said about Jesus at the end of Luke 2. But it also says this, and he, wa he waxed strong in spirit. He waxed strong. Waxed strong is interesting. It means to be, to be strengthened, to become strong. In spirit, that's the idea, as opposed to physically. He also developed spiritually strong. Okay, now, and it says this, and he was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. So God was leading him, preparing him, strengthening him in body and spirit to prepare for his ministry. 
Now it's interesting too that the word waxed strong if, is in the passive voice. You know, the, there's basically passive voice, active voice, right? Active voice means I'm doing the action or you're doing the action. Passive voice is the action is done to me. So the, in here, the wax strong is in the passive voice, meaning that he was spiritually strengthened by the work of God in his life. So in other words, it was the work of God strengthening him. Okay. So Ephesians 3.16 says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That's what he was doing for John here, John the Baptist. All right. Now it says this, and he was in, and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. So he's in the desert um, until the day of his showing. In other words, until the precise time of God's plan for him to begin his ministry of preaching and baptizing in Israel. Deserts are wilderness areas. There's a lot. There's a, there's a few of them that day. They're secluded, where God could develop him spiritually. Austere surroundings. In fact, when John came on the scene, the Bible says his food was locusts and wild honey. Right? So apart from luxury and softness, Moses spent time in the desert. John spent time in the desert. Jesus Christ spent time in the desert as part of their preparation. Now, I submit to you, and the list, one of the ways that this was a reminder to me and I try to do this every day anyway, but I, I submit to you that we all need a little desert time in our lives. Now, I'm not necessarily meaning a literal desert, but with this. In other words, apart from the world, apart from daily cares, apart from our routine, we need to have a time apart, alone with God. That's what we need. We need more of that, probably. And may God help us to do that. Father, thanks so much for this time that we can have in thy precious word. We ask you to bless the word to our hearts and be with us now, dear Father, and, and that we also, um, who, have, who are saved and who have been called the light of the world by Christ himself, that we would be light, that we would be salt, and that we would carry the life-saving and, and life-transforming gospel to those around us. We pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's take our hymn books and turn with me, please, to hymn number 331. 331. And let's sing a couple verses here. Make me a channel of blessing. You know, that's the same, and we'll stand, shall we stand, 331. That's really the same idea where the Bible in the book of Romans talks about vessels of mercy, um, talks about instruments of righteousness, channels. That's what God wants us to be. A channel of blessing, a vessel, a pipe, as it were, where the water of life can flow through. See, God doesn't want us to be sponges. He wants us to be hoses. All right? He wants us to be vessels and channels. All right. Um, all right, let's see here. Let's just, uh, let's sing verse 1, verse 2, all right? Verse 1, verse 2. Make me a channel of blessing. Is your life a channel of blessing? Is
is the love of God flowing through you? Are you telling the lost of the Savior? Are you ready his service to do? Make me a channel of blessing today. Make me a channel of blessing, I pray. My life possessing, my service blessing. Make me a channel of blessing today. Verse 2. Is your life a channel of blessing? Are you burdened for those who are lost? Have you urged upon those who are straying? The Savior who died on the cross Make me a channel of blessing today Make me a channel of blessing, I pray My life possessing, my service blessing Make me a channel of blessing today. And I just want to encourage everybody in this room that's here this morning, I pray for you every day, that God will use you to be a, a blessing, a channel of blessing and encouragement, as wherever you are, that God will use you there, all right? And I trust you pray the same for me as well. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the time we can be here. Uh, Lord, to, again, to sing the great, great hymns. It's such a blessing to lift our hearts and voices to thee and then to look into thy precious word. We thank thee for it. May the word of God continue to speak to our hearts. Um, we pray, God, that the promises of God may encourage us Again, thank thee for those items of praise that we could share today as well as prayer requests. And Father, we look forward to, for thee to continue to answer our prayers. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Nobody move. All right, I have a very special announcement to make. We have a birthday in our church. And so we want to sing birthday to Anna today, all right? And we have a special song that we sing when the boys and girls come or on their birthday, we should do this. It's um, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. Our prayer is God bless you, richest blessings to you. So let's sing that version, all right? Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. Our prayer is God bless you. Richest blessings to you. All right, you're welcome. I'm not going to ask. <laughs> Never supposed to ask unless it's <laughs> up to you if you want us to know <laughs> your age I'm talking about. Okay. Yes, anything else? You look like you want to say something. <laughs> I don't think she knew about the thing going on after. Right.
<laughs> <laughs> All right, you're, you're dismissed, and we'll see what happens next.